Thank you for listening to Desert Spring United Methodist Sunday Sermon. We're glad you found us and that you chose to be part of our church. Online listeners, you are a significant part of our church community, and we're grateful you're with us. We hope you enjoy the sermon you're about to hear. If you would like to engage with our staff, we can be found on Facebook, Vimeo, and Instagram. Or call us at 702-256-5933. Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable unto thee, O Lord our God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. I come to the garden alone where the dew is still on the roses and the voice I feel falling on my ear the Son of God discloses and he walks with me and he talks with me and he tells me I am his own and the joy we share as we tarry there none other has ever known Thank you, Tiffany. So how many of you here know that song, In the Garden? A lot of hands went up. Okay. So I'm I'm guessing that there are some here for whom that is a favorite hymn. Anybody here got that as a favorite hymn? Okay, there's some hands went up. Now, if I'd have asked that question back in about 1950, a lot of hands would have gone up. Because back in the middle of the last century, this was a very, very popular Christian hymn. It's actually 106 years old now. It was written in 1913 by Austin Miles, who wrote this based upon the scripture that Dennis just read a few moments ago, that story of Mary Magdalene at the garden. He focused the, the hymn on Mary's experience of the risen Lord after she had encountered him in the garden. He did not focus the hymn on Mary's experience in the garden prior to encountering the risen Lord. That would have been a very different hymn, cold and dark, sung by a woman for whom life had not been easy nor fair. Now, we don't know a whole lot about Mary Magdalene, but we know some things about her. For one thing, we know that she is identified with a town rather than with a family. And that's a bit unusual. Back in those days, it was common practice that a woman would be identified with her family. So if we turn the clock back 2,000 years, my wife, Jerry, prior to marrying me, would have been known as Jerry, daughter of Jim, because Jim was her father. And after having married me, she would have been known as Jerry, wife of David, rather than Jerry Devereaux. And after having children, if something happened to me, she would then be identified with her children, 
So she would be Jerry, mother of Ashley, and mother of Ranny, and mother of Chris, and of Seth, and of Andrew, and of Lydia, and of Jeremiah, and of Cody, and of Sarah Jane Elizabeth. Although I'm guessing they probably would have just picked one of the kids and identified her with one of them. But you get the idea that it was, a, it was common for a woman to be identified with her family. But Mary Magdalene was not identified with her family. She was identified with a place, with a town that was a, a town on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, Magdala. And that tells us something. It tells us that Mary likely did not grow up with a father. It tells us that she probably never married. It tells us that she did not have children. And so, quite likely, Mary was pretty much alone in this world. The Gospel of Luke gives us a hint as to why that might have been the case. For we hear in the Gospel of Luke that Mary Magdalene had seven demons. And that's a little hard for us to understand as well, because back in those days, the language of demon was applied to anything that people could not make sense of in another way. And so when it says that Mary had seven demons, maybe she was possessed by some spiritual force of wickedness. That's possible. Could be that. But it's also possible that she had epilepsy or that she is suffering from some form of mental illness or some combination of those things, likely a combination of things with, with seven demons. This we know her life was complicated and it was a mess and she was pretty much alone in this world. And then one day she met Jesus. And Jesus healed her. And Jesus may have been the first person in her life to have showed her some compassion, to have valued her life, to have valued her as a human being. But this we know. She loved Jesus. The Gospel of Luke, the eighth chapter, tells us that Mary joined a small group of other women who began to follow Jesus. Like the disciples following Jesus, this small group of women followed Jesus. And Mary Magdalene was one of them. So she followed Jesus around. She spent a lot of time with him. She likely was with him when he made his triumphal entry into Jerusalem. She would have seen him turn over the tables of the money changers in the temple court. She would have heard him teaching in the temple itself. She may have been present for his last supper. Likely she was up at the Mount of Olives. She saw the betrayal. She followed along through the mock trial. She stayed near to him on the road to suffering. She would have seen him nailed to a cross and left there to die. She would have heard his cry of abandonment. My God, my God, why hast thou abandoned me? She would have heard those words that echoed in her heart, that echoed in the hearts of Christians ever since. Father, forgive them, they know not what they do. She would have seen him take his last breath. She watched as they brought him down from the cross, and they hastily prepared him to be laid in a tomb. She saw him laid in that tomb, the stone rolled back in front. 
And so on that first Easter morning, when Mary arrived, she did not feel like singing. Jesus had died. So the world was a cold and dark place. And not just because Jesus had died, although that's reason enough. Losing a loved one is reason enough for the world to feel like a cold and dark place. But for her, it was also that when Jesus died, so too did her hope. See, Jesus represented something of God to her. And with him having died, then, well, what does that say about God? She had hoped that he was going to bring changes to this world, that the world would be a little kinder, a little bit more loving, a little bit more accepting. She had hoped that he was going to change people's lives like he had changed her life. But as she watched him take his last breath, it was as if all of the evil of her, of her former life had rallied against her, against him, and had won the battle. And the world became a cold and dark place. And we can understand that depth of sorrow, that kind of despair, that kind of sadness. I mean, there may be people here who are going through a particularly dark place right now. Maybe because of the loss of a loved one, or because of a diagnosis, or because of being treated by somebody else's sinfulness and prejudice in ways that are devaluing of one's life. The world can feel like a cold and a dark place. Mary, she went to the tomb where Jesus had been laid. And we can catch a glimpse of what's going on in her heart as she arrives there. So certain is she that the world has become a, an evil and cold and dark place that when she sees the stone rolled away from the entrance of the tomb, all she can assume is that evil has been at work again. They have stolen his body. I do not know where they have laid I tell you about Mary Magdalene, not just to introduce you to her, but also because as the story unfolds, Mary is supposed to represent something of our lives too. She kind of represents us in those times where the world can feel pretty cold and dark and hopeless. Those times where it feels like Evil has overcome goodness, and despair has overcome hope, and darkness is overcoming light, and hatred is overcoming love, and death is overcoming life. Those times where we wander in the darkness wondering where might Jesus be. Mary arrived in the garden, seeing the tomb empty. She then heard a voice. And I want to be really clear on this. She did not expect resurrection. She did not go to the tomb expecting that Jesus would be alive. People die and they don't pop back to life again. Resurrection was not on her radar at all. And so when she heard that voice, she was surprised. More than surprised. She was hugely surprised. It was like the biggest surprise party ever. Mary, Jesus said. 
Rabboni, she said, out of surprise, Rabboni, she said. And that single word, Mary, changed everything for her. It changed everything for her. For Jesus was alive, and so too was her hope. Evil had not overcome goodness. Despair had not overcome hope. Darkness had not overcome light. Hatred had not overcome love. Death was not overcoming life. He was alive. And it changed everything for her. Easter. And it's Easter, this message of Christ's resurrection that is at the heart of Christian life and belief. It's the very heart of what we hold on to as Christians. How it is that it changes everything, that in the midst of a world where there continues to be darkness, where there continues to be violence, violence perpetrated even against children of God, in a world where there continues to be violence that is perpetrated, we know. We know that the violence will not have the last word. God will have the last word. In the words of the great preacher Frederick Beekner, the worst things are not the last thing. For the last thing is Easter, resurrection. And that changes things for us. It changes how we understand ourselves. It changes how we define our lives. For those who have sinned, it means that the sin and brokenness of one's past does not have to define their life moving forward. Because of what God has done for us in Christ Jesus, our Lord, our lives can be defined by the love and the forgiveness and the mercy of Almighty God. For those who have fallen victim to somebody else's sinfulness. Brokenness does not have to be what continues to define our lives. Easter means that healing can come to us and we can have new life. For those who find themselves in a dark place right now. Easter means that the light will return. Goodness will come. There will be hope again. Because Christ is risen from the dead. And his resurrection changes everything. It changes how we understand life. It changes how we understand our lives. It even changes how we understand death itself. I mean, death is our common enemy. Or as mortal human beings, it comes to us all. The day will come for each and every one of us when we will take our last breath. But when we know resurrection, then we no longer have to face death with any kind of fear. Because we know that death is nothing more than what St. Paul said, casting off what is mortal to put on what is immortal, that we can go to be with the Lord, that we can take our place among the communion of saints, that we can have those glad reunions in heaven with those who have gone before us. Our relationships, they continue, not as they were, but now perfected in love. This is the promise of Easter. It's the promise of Almighty God. And when we understand this, when we understand that death is not a forever goodbye, but as a moment until we meet again in eternity. It changes how we live and it changes how we face death 
itself. It's the promise of Easter. Mary, Jesus said. And that changed everything for her. But of course, this is Mary's story. This is Mary's story. It took place a long, long time ago. So, how would we know that it might be true today? I mean, brothers and sisters, there's a reason why so many of the people of this world have this recognition of the importance of a spiritual life. We were not just created as physical human beings, as emotional human beings, as rational human beings. We were also created as spiritual beings. And because we are spiritual beings, we can experience the deep darkness that's brought about by the evil and wickedness of this world. But also, because we're spiritual beings, there is this, this longing deep within us to hear a voice, a word being spoken, our name, Mary, David, Linda, Tom. Easter means that God still speaks. That's how we know it's true. Because Easter means that God still speaks. Sometimes God speaks as a mighty wind with tongues of fire that grabs hold of us and convicts us and changes our lives. Sometimes God speaks as a gentle breeze, a still small voice, a whisper where we hear our name being spoken and our heart is strangely warmed. Sometimes God speaks and we just have this sense that there's more to life than meets the eye. There must be something about all of this. But God still speaks. And when God speaks, it changes things. It changed my life. God speaking to me, Easter, has changed my life. Because of it, I'm a different person. I'm a better husband. I'm a better father. I'm a better human being. Because God has spoken, because of Easter. And, and I'm, a, I'm a person who has a sense of joy that's unshakable, a sense of peace. And I live my life unafraid because of the grace of God, what God has done for me in Christ Jesus, my Lord. Right now, Pastor Tim's just finishing up his service out in the Northwest Campus. And he just told his story about how God spoke to him and changed his life. God still speaks. I look around this room, and I know, I know quite, a, quite a few of you, a lot of you. And I know you've got stories. You've shared with me your stories of how God has spoken to you, of the difference that, that Easter has meant to you in your life. And it could very well be that your testimony as to what Christ has done for you the meaning of Easter, your testimony might become the way that God speaks to somebody else, that they come to know the truth that is Easter. I love Easter. And I love the stories of Easter. Mary Magdalene's story, her in the garden, 
Jesus speaking her name, Mary. But we can't end without paying attention to what happens next. Because what happens next is Jesus tells Mary to go and tell some people about this thing that's happened. To go and to tell the sisters and brothers about what God has done in raising Christ from the dead. Go and tell people that goodness has overcome evil. That hope has overcome despair. That light has overcome darkness. That love has overcome hatred. And that life will always overcome death because Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. And the worst things in life are not the last things in life because beyond any darkness, beyond any darkness, there is always Easter. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Desert Spring United Methodist Church. New sermons are posted weekly. Follow us.